Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I'm here with Bishop Strickland to do one thing, help you get to heaven. And how do we do that? Well, we're going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church, these wonderful teachings that St. John Paul II put through back in, I think, 93 is when that first edition came out. And we're going to be covering the Profession of Faith Part 1, which is really basic teachings, which I believe need to be done. Bishop Strickland, welcome back from your retreat, and I hope you're doing well. Thanks, Terry. And yeah, good. Bishop, doing well. Good. Bishop Strickland, you've been tweeting, even though I see this last week, lots of good tweets. And I have to say this, it's, it's refreshing to hear a bishop focus, me, focus on his tweets, uh, on really, really a sacredness of life, uh, about how long, how long eternity is and how short this life is and how we should be focused on heaven. And so I wanted to uh, talk about one of your tr- tweets. You just quoted Romans 12, 2, which is a great, com- a great quote from the Bible. It says, you, you point, do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may judge what is God's will, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let us resist the temptation to conform ourselves to this age, instead, seek God's will. I think that seems like a home run for our culture in 2021. Is that what, you know, what made you quote that scripture verse, Bishop? Well, there's, the world is is really um, not on that path. Uh, certainly this nation, but really the world. Yeah. Um, it's a worldwide, certainly there are a lot of good people and a lot of people of faith. And I really think we need to, connect with each other as much as we can. Cause I talk to so many people that feel alone in uh, their faith and they want to hang on, but they feel very lonely and they wonder um, we need to let people know that those who believe we should listen to the word of God, um, read Romans and say, okay, I'm going to do my best not to conform my life to this age, into this world. The world says exactly the opposite in so many ways. And when we conform to this world, we're cutting short our eternity, um, or at least the the everlasting life that God wants to share with us. Hell (laughs) won't be short. Um, It'll be eternal too. But we always have that crossroads in life to choose evil or to choose good. And the world is in too many ways telling us, oh, it's okay to choose evil and just go with it. Um, and that is the path of destruction. It's interesting you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, me as a bishop talking about eternal life. Yeah. And and frankly, I've had others say, oh, you're too, you're too focused on that. But I think what we forget, if you read Thomas Aquinas, if you read the early church fathers, really— you read the scriptures. Yeah. If we're focused on who we are, we're built for eternity. Amen. And staying focused on that will make every day of this life better. Won't make it perfect. This is never going to be heaven. And I think a lot of people forget that. Oh, we've we've got to make heaven on earth. And that's never going to happen. Nope. This world is not heaven. But it can be. 
a world of peace, a world of harmony, a world of love in the Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, so to me, focusing on who we are, what we're built for, is the best way to make today good and tomorrow good. And then when there isn't another tomorrow for you or me or for anyone, then we're prepared to meet our maker. <clears throat> well said, Bishop Strickland. I, again, I, I appreciate it because, <laughs> you know, life is short and eternity is forever. So many of these tweets you just touched upon that I wanted to bring up, but, you know, even at the end of the year, now we're at the beginning of the year, you know, with the uh, 1st of January coming down, you put a thing out, you point on your tweet, even more profound and important at the end of this year, that it, this is the gospel message, you know, for 2,000 years. It's repent and return to Jesus and pray that our broken will, world will do the same. We have salvation at our fingertips, but we must lay down our worldly ways and take up the way of the cross of Jesus, our Savior. Without him, all is lost. Man, that's really a direct um, teaching that says, you know, don't let the world distract you into things that are going to be comfortable. You got material things that can distract you. You got worldly titles that can distract you. And you're saying, it's the, you know, take up the way of the cross. You know, kind of like what Bishop Sheen says, without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. Father, uh, Bishop Strickland, you're calling it, you're calling the gauntlet down and saying, turn to Jesus. And I, and um, I mean, it, are you just saying that because we just finished a crazy year of, of um, not just the election year, but with the COVID-19 and there's been a lot of fear? Is this, this, this sounds to me very reassuring that I need to focus on heaven and not so much here. Absolutely. And, and that's what we're always called to. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a man uh, and my drive back to the office. Yes. Um, Chris Reynolds, he is with a Gosh. an apostolate called um, Gospel Mission. Right. Gospel Mission. Yeah. And he's developing an opportunity for people who want to to join in a, in a time of prayer. And he wants it to be across the nation. Gosh. So. I just wanted to mention that um, because I think it's important. Anyone that is listening, maybe first time or maybe they regularly listen and they wonder, are we alone? And <laughs> is there anybody supporting us? There are many people of good faith and real believers in Jesus Christ that are rejecting this conformity with the world that we hear in so many corners and even within the church. We are not, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. And I would just encourage anyone who is feeling alone or weak in their faith, I'm weak in my faith. My faith needs to be stronger. That's true for all of us. Right. I'd encourage them to, it'll be on Wednesday nights. It's just being developed, but we'll give them more information Good. and I'll share that information. But I'd encourage them to to look for ways, and there are many good things, I mean, like your your radio program, and there are many ways to get that support that people need. We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be part of a community. And especially with COVID, there's been a lot of that um, distancing that people need to remember spiritually we can be together, and we, we need that. We hunger for that. 
Yeah, Bishop Strickland, I always share this with people to um, ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day. And when you do that, your faith will grow. I had that last night. We pray for you and for all priests and bishops and the Holy Father on Thursdays here at our chapel for two hours before the Blessed Sacrament. And many of the ladies asked me after the service outside, Terry, look what's going on in the world. What can we do? And I just told them, your daily duty. Holiness is consistent being faithful to your state in your life. So if you're a mother, you're a father, do your duty. If you're a kid that goes to school, you, you are doing the will of God by fulfilling your duties in your state in life. And I think that sometimes people think, well, that can't be that simple. You know what, Bishop Strickland? I think we complicate too much being a follower of Christ by saying, oh, you got you to gotta get your PhD. You got to get this. You got to do that. It might, that might be the case, but mostly... It's living in the presence of God. And by doing that, your faith will grow. So I appreciate your comments. Bishop Strickland, here's another uh, powerful quote. You've used it many times. I use it many times. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, if this isn't appropriate for 2021, anytime I would say, hey, you know what? I just realized, Bishop Strickland. Oh, no, we can do this. It's a couple minutes here. This is what you, uh, you tweeted, quoting Fulton Sheen. This was from 60, 70 years ago. The refusal to take sides on a great moral issue is itself a decision. It is a silent acquiescence to evil. Silence is an acquiescence to evil. So we can't be quiet. The tragedy of our time is that those who still believe in honesty lack the fire and conviction, while those who believe in dishonesty are full of passionate conviction. Bishop Strickland, every time I read that, I don't care if it was 20 years ago, it applies. We see many people who are atheists. We see people who are way off, but they have the zeal. And then we, as baptized Christians, Catholics and Protestants, we've been given the gift. And many of us have been sitting on our hands. And you know what, Bishop Strickland, I'm going to say it right now. I'm including myself I'm including the bishops. I'm including priests. We have not done enough in the sense of standing up for the truth because I'm convinced if we as a church did, Bishop Strickland, correct me if I'm wrong, we would not have abortion on demand if our church held the ground 46 years ago. Am I right or wrong on that? Absolutely. There's just too much compromise. Yeah. And it's like it's like we keep retreating yeah. you know, from these basic principles. I mean, we probably talk about abortion every time we talk. Of course. But it is a critical issue. It's certainly not the only issue, but it is a foundational issue. And the church teaches it's an intrinsic evil. I think we really need to to think about that. Yeah. Intrinsic evil, that's pretty extreme. It is. It's not just, oh, it's not a nice thing to do. It's an intrinsic evil. That doesn't change. It doesn't. After a certain amount of time, oh, it's not evil anymore. Intrinsic evil is deeply rooted in evil. Amen to that. Boy, well said. We're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're going to come back as soon as we take a quick break. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
We have one more segment of taking Bishop Strickland's tweets, and then we're going to go right into the Catechism, the Profession of Faith, Part 1. I, you don't want to miss that. It's fundamental to our faith. Last week, Bishop Strickland, you talked about your love and devotion to St. Thomas Becket. And you have a tweet right now from him saying, Remember the sufferings of Christ, the storms that were withered, the crown that came from those suffering which gave new radiance to faith, to the faith. And I like this line. All saints give testimony to the truth that without real effort, no one ever wins the crown. So, Bishop Strickland, I, I, I'm using the crown, meaning heaven. Is, is, is that, so in other words, without effort, we can't get to heaven. Is that, a, is that what he's saying? Sure. Um, and, of course, it, the effort means nothing without the grace of God, but it's cooperating with that grace yeah. and, and working to, um, to respond to that grace is what we have to do. And again, what, when I was reading that quote from Thomas Becket, a man who didn't compromise one iota, he gave me the impression, if we're thinking about that quote, was that salvation, we have to will it. Like St. Thomas Aquinas says, you want to be a saint? He said, will it. And so it takes effort to say no to ourselves to follow Christ. And so it seems to me that sometimes we hear this conversation that, oh, everybody's going to go to heaven. Just be kind of a nice guy, uh, Terry. Don't worry about any of the other icings on the cake. God's such a, a generous God. He, he, he'll get you in with just very little effort because nobody's going to hell. Matter of fact, a lot of people don't even think that God would send somebody to hell or God would allow someone to go to hell. So I guess my question to you as a bishop, how do I, how do I give them the, the good news that, that really is good news that... Um, they need to not be uh, presuming that they're going to go to heaven with little effort. Well, Terry, the um, the Son of God mm -hmm. tells us the opposite, yep. that it is a, a narrow path to, to heaven, mm -hmm. and we must take up our cross if we want to be his disciples, and being his disciples is our path to heaven. Um, well, so I think it, it kind of echoes what we were talking about earlier, yeah. that reality, we don't like to suffer. That's just human nature. Mm -hmm. Little kids, one of the first things they learn is they don't like to hear no. They <laughs> like to say no, but they don't like to hear no. We want our way. We want our will. Um, but part of maturing as human beings is coming to recognize that Real fulfillment is not about our will, but God's will. And that's what the saints show us, that their people, whether it's Thomas of Becket or Mother Teresa of Calcutta or whatever saint you want to name, they are saints because they said, I'm going to live the will of God. And sometimes that means die yeah. for the will of God. Um, that's what the martyrs did. So I, I think it's it's a it's living life as people of faith. And when we do that, every day is is the opportunity to use the grace that God has given us to be his instruments, to to follow his truth. 
And if we look at what God has commanded us to do, I like to think of it as kind of an operator's manual. <laughs> That's right. We we live happier, more fulfilling lives if we live the will of God. Amen. And if we avoid the empty promises of Satan, the sins that Satan's always trying to tempt us into. He tempted Jesus Christ, but as the Son of God, Jesus Christ models for us how we resist that temptation. It just comes to mind that what does Jesus do when when Satan tempts him? He quotes scripture at him. Yeah. He throws his father's word. That's right. He throws the word of God at him. That's what we need to do when we're tempted. Yeah. What does the word of God say about whatever that temptation is? And certainly we're sinners. Sure. I'm a sinner. We fail. We stumble. No matter how much we resolve, we imperfectly cooperate with that grace of God. So that is God's abundant mercy. He, he gives us a chance and then another chance and then another chance and then another chance. <laughs> but if we start presuming, oh, God will always give me another chance. Right. One day we're going to be surprised because God in his infinite mercy knows that some at some point we have to use our free will to choose him, to choose the light, to choose the truth. And if we refuse, God is not going to force us. And, you know, we we need to presume that tomorrow may not come. So I need to get right with God today. Well said. I think of what Fulton Sheen used to say. The only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no, free will. So, you know, God's not going to force his will on us. Because there would be no value in us choosing God if we don't have a choice. And so I think that, that that's beautiful. I like that you uh, tweeted a, you, you congratulated Cardinal Dolan. He is the, for those who don't know who Cardinal Dolan is, he's the Archbishop of New York. And, um, and you said that, uh, we, that, Cardinal Dolan, thank you, we must speak to truth in the face of ugly attacks on the sacred each and every time they occur. We join you in concern for the wonderful <clears throat> lives of the faithful children of God who sacrificed so much decades ago, we cannot remain silent. Now, this was somebody uh, attacking, in a sense of defacing St. Patrick's Cathedral. Is that is that the situation where they were doing that? Yeah. What I like about this is uh, <clears throat> one bishop complimenting another bishop publicly. I, I think we need to hear more of that when they do the right thing. Say, thank you, Bishop. Yeah. Thank you, Cardinal. And the other thing, Bishop Strickland, that I like, and because I don't hear it enough, is where a cardinal or a bishop... When something happens, like they knock a statue down uh, in, you know, in Southern California or wherever it is, uh, Niprosera, St. Niprosera, and, you know, we just act like it didn't happen. And we just keep our head in the sand and we don't push back where, uh, like, for example, in Los Angeles, we are now uh, able to go back into the churches at, at 25 percent uh, capacity. And that's a start. Uh, the Supreme Court, you know, said that it was unjust for the government to tell us we couldn't go to church when you could go to Walmart. Things that you and I have been talking about. So thanks be to God. But my question, my point to you is this. It's nice when our bishops push back for us, the sheep. Uh, the shepherd is saying, hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. Like Archbishop Cordelion up in San Francisco. He's saying, wait a minute, we have a right to worship our God. And so I just want to thank Cardinal Dolan and all the bishops who have stood up 
to secular politicians who have said that, you know, our worship isn't any value and it's not essential to um, the economy or to the world when we see it differently. And I thank our bishops when they speak out on that. And also Cardinal Dolan, thank you for what you're doing also on this. So I just had to say that. And and the other thing, Bishop Strickland, as a bishop, isn't it um, common for, uh, and this is just you as an individual bishop, I want people to understand that your jurisdiction is in the Tyler Diocese, correct? And so correct. they're really, and I'm just going to, I want to make a distinction here. The Bishop's Conference is the Bishop's Conference, and I know it was Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, I think, in the report, the Cardinal uh, the Joseph Ratzinger report back in 85. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have the authority in Tyler, Texas, and that the Bishop's Conference, if they want to tell you you need to do this or you need to do that, that's not how it works. Am I overstepping myself? No. The, the way the church is structured for the 33 counties of East Texas, yeah. I'm responsible right. and I have the authority. Yeah. The church gives the responsibility and the the authority to use that responsibility to each bishop. Yeah. So the, the Cardinal Archbishop of New York, yeah. is in charge of New York. I think I think that's something important to emphasize. I do too. You know, the 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 groupings of bishops and whether it's a state conference or a national conference, that can be can serve a purpose. But I think too often people think, oh well what does the USCCB say? Or yeah. what does this conference say? Yeah. Well they what they really need to do is look to their local bishop. He is their pastor. Yes. He's their shepherd. But, he is the successor of the apostles that is assigned to them. And they need to respect him and to listen. And sometimes challenge if he's not speaking about the things that need to be spoken of, but always with respect because the bishop is a priest and then uh, a bishop, he's a successor of the apostles. Mm -hmm. And it's my job to represent Christ and his truth. So respecting a bishop is respecting Christ. So absolutely. But, you know, it always has to be a balance of we're all called to be disciples from our baptism. We've talked about it before. Baptism is is the doorway into life with Christ. All of us need to live our baptism, and then we live it in various other vocations, various secondary vocations. But our primary vocation is to live as the baptized. Yeah. And we all need to challenge each other to do that respectfully, but to to say, let us joyfully embrace the life of Christ, mm. the cross and the graces and blessings, the joys and the hopes and the struggles. Amen. Now, I think that principle of subsidiarity that the catechism talks about is really applied with bishops. In other words, you're the local guy. Who Absolutely. who better yeah. can handle the needs of the community more than the local bishop <clears throat> in that diocese? So I think that's a principle that the church has looked at. And I would even apply that into big government also, Bishop Strickland, that local politicians can handle the needs of people locally more than a big government 3,000 miles away telling you what to be, need your needs are. So I think this is something the church has always done. Before we get our break, I want to give a plug to the St. Philip Institute. 
One more plug for those who are brand new, Father what, Bishop Strickland. What is this St. Philip Institute all about? Well, St. Philip Institute, stphilipinstitute.org is the website, is all about teaching the catechism, teaching the truth of the Catholic faith and helping people to know what does it mean to be Catholic? What does it mean on a daily basis? Yeah. Certainly, um, going to Mass on Sunday. Many people can't right now, but thankfully in our diocese, people are able to go, and we encourage them to. Good. If, you're, if you need to be quarantined or whatever, certainly <laughs> follow that and use the, the streaming Masses and the video Masses as a second best. It never is a good substitute, but it, it may be the best you can do. Yeah. Very good. We're going to take a quick break. Now we're going to jump into the profession of faith I really want everybody to understand how important this Catechism of the Catholic Church is. If you don't have a copy and you need one and you can't afford it, call me at 877-526-2151. I'll send you a catechism because it's that important. We're going to come right back with more on the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber with the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're going to get right into the catechism. We call it the profession of faith. But I want to give a plug. Uh, many years ago, about 25 years ago, when uh, we had cassette tapes going, I produced with our team the Apostles' Creed. It's on CD. But I'm going to give it away for free as a download because we don't do CDs anymore. <laughs> and so it's on our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And it's simple as just giving us your email and we'll send you a link and you can download the Apostles' Creed. It's in one hour. We say it every Sunday. You know, what do we believe? And then this is going to help you have a better understanding of that. And I hope this show is going to do the same thing. So Bishop Strickland, I'm at the part one of the catechism. Section one, I believe, we believe, it says, now paragraph 26, we begin our profession of faith by saying, I believe, or we believe, before expounding the church's faith as confessed in the creed, celebrated in the liturgy, lived in an observance of God's commandments, and in prayer. We must first ask what do, what to believe means. You know, and here it comes. Here's the cash value. Faith is man's response to God who reveals himself and gives himself to man. At the same time, bringing man a superabundant light as he searches for the ultimate meaning of his life. Thus, we shall consider first that search in chapter one, then the divine revelation by which God comes to meet man Chapter 2, and finally, the response of the faith. Bishop Strickland, this to me is like groundwork. If we don't understand who God is, uh, we're going to miss a lot, even going to Sunday Mass. So I wanted to get your take on how important it is for us to really realize that faith is man's response to God. Absolutely, and, and I think the, the Catechism really reminds us of what the purpose of life is. Mm. And uh, 
know that philosophers and others have said that the way we're built as human beings, and it makes sense as for those of, of faith. Yeah. But even if you have no faith, um, what the philosophers say is that we, if if there were no God, yep. as human beings, will we we will create one. Exactly. And I would encourage everyone to certainly probably the people listening to this uh, believe in God. Um, but probably all of us have people in our lives that maybe are sort of shaky on the issue, certainly have not made any great commitment to any faith in God. Yeah. And I think that we as a nation and as a world really need to really pay attention to that basic philosophical idea that we are built to need a, a higher power. Amen. that we believe is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So to be very cautious about ignoring that, you know, today the popular thing for too many is to declare themselves atheist or maybe uh, agnostic. But um, I would urge everyone, and if you know someone who is a younger person or an older person, whoever, that, says, oh, I'm atheist, I don't believe in God, um, to really not confront them so much, but to have a friendly conversation, but to really encourage them to recognize that they're operating with something taking the place of God. Maybe their, their God is wealth, or maybe it's pleasure, or maybe it's leisure, or maybe it's just having a, a great circle of friends, but in it. So the things that people replace God with may not necessarily, I mean, it, it's not always evil, but if it's not God who is taking that godly place in your life, it's going to bring evil. It's going to bring harm and destruction because as we've talked about before, all the wealth in the world ultimately is dead. It doesn't feed that need we have that St. Augustine says so beautifully. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. I think that's another way of saying what the philosophers say. Mm -hmm. We need God. We're built to have a higher power in our lives. And so paying attention to that. And really, I would encourage anyone who may be listening and said just happened on this and doesn't really believe in God, or maybe someone that you talk to, maybe in the family or a coworker, this is, oh, I don't know why you bother with this religious stuff. I don't believe in God. I would really encourage them to, to think about then, okay, if you don't believe in God, then what or who <laughs> is taking the place of that? Right. Because something is, I think the philosophers, even though they're not really approaching it from the faith perspective, I think they're on to something. And certainly, as we approach that question as believers, yes, we are made in the image and likeness of God. And like St. Augustine says, there's, there's a hunger in us. We need to know Daddy. We need to know our Creator. We need to know where we came from and where we're going. 
And that's the answer that God gives us. So I think just even for the secular world to just admit there is a, a godlike entity of some kind in your life. Be aware of that and do a little self-examination of, of what are you making God? And I think that open-hearted people will likely be drawn to God if they start acknowledging that something's God. For a lot of people, it's money or power or pleasure. Um, it can take other forms as well. But if you don't really look to God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinitarian God that we know is God, if you don't really look to him, you're looking to something as God. And I think we all, as the people of the earth, we really need to be aware of that and at least be honest with ourselves. Mm. If wealth is your God, it's going to leave you empty ultimately, but at least acknowledge that and, and do a little <laughs> examination of conscience on what are you making God and what is that doing to your life? Bishop Strickland, that's music to my ears. I found that people who are in their 40s and 50s relate to that because they spent many years trying to be successful in their mind with material things. And then after this, they never were happy. And I've seen people turn back to Christ because of the emptiness that the world offers. And it, it, eventually it comes. It might be when 60 years old, but they do. And I, I, I just confirm what you said. Paragraph 27 said exactly that. The desire for God is written in the human heart because man is created by God and for God, and God never ceases to draw man to himself. Only in God we will find the truth and happiness, and he never stops searching for us. You remember the hound of heaven. You know, the, the God is always reaching out. And I say that to people because, like you just said, if you're listening and you are kind of have one foot in and one foot out, and you're like, I don't know if I want to get into this religion thing. I was meeting with a man the other day outside our chapel, inviting him in, and he said that to me. He said, I don't know if I really want this because uh, I like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and I said, well, you're honest. I said, get down, just walk in and get down and tell, the, tell Jesus that. Go ahead and pray. Because I think if you come in and you pray, you'll find that you're going to get an answer. So anyhow, that's my approach when I hear people tell me that they're, they've tried to seek their happiness in this world and it, they found out it failed them. And sometimes... People have to go through that to get to our Lord. So Bishop Strickland, here's my other quote today from the Catechism, paragraph uh, 28, because a lot of what you're saying isn't just for our century or our decade or for our year. These are universal teachings that 500 years from now are going to be true. And I say that because I think we need that reassurance, what we call objective truth, that this is true today, tomorrow, and the future, and because right now we live in a world that says, well, you know that software you're using, Bishop Strickland? In about a year, you can throw it away, or two years, because we got a new version, 6.5 or whatever. But oh. with our Catholic faith, it's true today, tomorrow, and the next. And that's reassuring for me, and I hope think for you. But paragraph 29 has something to say about, about scandal and how that happens. But but this intimate and vital bond of man to God can be forgotten, overlooked, or even explicitly rejected by man. 
We're experiencing that in today's world. Such attitudes can have different causes. We have a revolt against evil in the world. Religious ignorance. Oh, do we have that? Indifference. Oh, we have that. The cares and riches of the world. You just talked about this. But here's what he said also. Scandal of bad example on part of believers. Bishop Foley used to be the guy that was in charge of evangelization in the 1990s in Rome. And he said the biggest scandal to evangelization, a big, the biggest problem with evangelization is scandal. People use scandal as an excuse not to come to see Jesus and to practice their faith. So scandal of bad example on part of believers, current thought of hostile to religion. Finally, the attitude of sinful man, which makes him hide from God out of fear and flee his call. Bishop Strickland, tell me a little bit your own experience of seeing what the catechism just called, uh, you know, the uh, the call of like the fear of wanting to turn to God because they're living a life that they know isn't according to God. Have you experienced that in your own ministry where people have, have said that to you, where um, example of a bad example has happened, or they just feel like they're going to not be comfortable turning back to Christ because they feel like they're not worthy. But when we come back from the break, I want to have your take on this paragraph 29 and how ignorance, indifference, cares of the riches of the world, bad example, all these have affected us in the church. We'll be back with more on the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I wanted to give a plug to the Apostles' Creed CD that we're giving away. It's uh, something we did 20 years ago on summarizing what we teach on the Apostles' Creed, taken right from the Catechism. If you go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you'll see it on our homepage, and it's free. You just uh, give us your email, and we'll send you a link, and uh, you'll get some good information on something we say every Sunday. Bishop Strickland and I, before the break, I was talking about uh, paragraph 29 and just the, um, the, the bond to, of God to us and, you know, how scandal has, has been a, uh, a problem with people and also the fear uh, that people have to even uh, want to even talk to God. In other words, if they know they're living a, a wretched life, they want to run away. And the catechism is saying we need to reach out to these people. What's your thoughts? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think there there are a lot of people that say my sins are too big oh, yeah. for God to free. I've heard that many times. That's wrong. Um, and, and thankful a lot of times people come to realize that <laughs> God's mercy is there for all of us. Yeah. Um, we're all sinners. We need the mercy. God's mercy is abundant. Um, it, 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 it really is part, part of a relationship. And I think that that's what we tend to forget all of us, that mercy is God's gift, but it also calls something forth from us. It's yeah. a back and forth. It's mm -hmm. a conversation yeah. of love. Ultimately, yeah. if, if we really love God, we know God loves us. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, 
in our broken world, that's what people don't really, in a deep way, really believe that God does love them or that anyone loves them. And that, we know from psychology, is, is really devastating to the human person. Once again, it, it's logical. God is love. Mm-hmm. John's Gospel says that very clearly. God is love. Love is God. And so, and I think that a lot of the brokenness in our world today, it hinges on the reality that a lot of people have never really felt human love. Mm. Their, their parents, it was a broken situation, um, and they've just never really felt that they were worth anything and that they were a lovable human being. Um, and that, ironically, very often the human experience is what blocks people from knowing the supernatural relationship with God. Well, because none of our fathers were perfect. No. And I'm sure you as a father are not perfect. But, you know, if we have no and too, too many children grow up these days without any father, good or bad, it's just never knew a father. And that is harmful to the human person and to the human family. And it it handicaps people with being able to even know God as father. I mean, some people reject that image of God that his son revealed to us. He calls God father and he teaches us the our father. (coughs) So if you don't know a human father or a father figure of any kind, it really handicaps you with being able to know God. It's not impossible, but it does make it harder. And so we do need to reach out to those people and do our best to help them come to know God's love for them as a loving father. And that way they can begin to love themselves, live a happier life in this world and begin on that path to everlasting life with God the Father. Well said. I know uh, Dr. Hahn and Father Don Calloway were telling me a similar thing about um, a conversation just two weeks ago about how St. Joseph is a great saint for those who have had, let's just say, a less than perfect fathers where their father was uh, missing in action and uh, to look at St. Joseph as the model. So that might be also something to consider. Um, Bishop Strickland, paragraph 31, ways of coming to know God. I thought this was really touching for me. Created in God's image and called to know and love him, the person who seeks God discovers certain ways of coming to know him. These are also called proofs for the existence of God, not in the sense of proofs in the natural sciences, but rather in the sense of converging and convincing arguments which allow us to attain certainty about the truth. The ways of approaching God from creation have a twofold point of departure, the physical world and the human person. Give us your take on that. Well, I think what the the catechism is referring to here is that, and you can look at um, virtually every natural group of people, whether it's an Indian tribe or aboriginal group of people anywhere, they there's a common discovery or search for 
God mm -hmm. in some form or another. So um, even the nature religions mm -hmm. come to a certain level of knowing God through looking at the beauty of nature, the power of nature, the wonder of nature, and and just coming to recognize that I didn't make that. Yeah. And where did it come from? And people turn to a higher being. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the idea of coming to God through the human person. Yeah. Jesus Christ is ultimately that revelation. He becomes a human person so that we can know God through the human person. But we are, as human beings, I think we need to acknowledge that we are all full of mystery. Yeah. Um, there is there's something mysterious about the human being. We're apart from creation, whether people like that or not or want to be. We are not just another aspect of creation. We're different. Right. We are in our faith, of course, we're created in the image and likeness of God. That's what God has revealed to us. Yeah. But I think there's what the catechism is getting at is a even from you might say just natural human ability to understand and to discern, mm -hmm. you begin to discover something divine even as you See the the wonder of another person and the the love of a man and woman in marriage or the love of a father for their child or a mother for their child. Yeah. There are things that move people to recognize that we're not just, you know, sort of a automatons yeah. or <laughs> people without. I guess the, the simplest way to say it is people can naturally come to understand that we have a soul. There's something built into us yes. that is beyond just the created world. There's something supernatural about the human person. And I think that's what the, the catechism is getting at. Wow, that's beautiful. Bishop Strickland, this is uh, being broadcast the first part of January 2021. I wanted to put you on the hot seat, and I've done this before, and that is goals for souls. In other words, 2021, how can we make this the best year in our spiritual life. What things would you recommend? I mean, I have people who want to say that, you know, you get uh, the Augustine Institute, uh, Mr. Um, uh, Tim Gray's book on uh, studying the Bible. I have that for the year. But is there something, you know, there's three, two or three things that you would recommend for our listeners to help them fall deeper in love with the person of Jesus Christ? What would you recommend? Well, um, I think I would recommend listening to the Immaculate Virgin Mary, our spiritual mother. Amen. What has she told us over and over? I mean, she's like most mothers. <laughs> she repeats herself all the time. And she says, repent of your sins and grow in holiness. Amen. You mentioned the word of God. Absolutely. That's one thing to do, to become better acquainted with God's word and to recognize there's a great intersection for us as Catholics. The sacraments and the word really sort of merge into one mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ. Yes. He is the eternal word. He is the, the, the word incarnate. And so when we read scripture, and I think that this is something that 
we all need to do a better job of. Um, it, it concerns me a lot of times, and I, I, I try not to get, you know, mm-hmm. uh, confrontational about it. But very often, I'll ask the young people being confirmed, what portion of the Word of God was just proclaimed just a couple of minutes before yeah. in the first reading, the second reading, the gospel? Now, a lot of times, I get blank stares. Sometimes they'll know, oh, it was the prophet Isaiah. But I think that we need to do a much better job. And one of the the fruits of the Second Vatican Council was really calling us to a deeper embrace of the Bible, the Word of God that is written, and to trust and to know that, like I said, the two converge. The sacraments are Christ acting in our world. They're signs that God is with us. The Word of God is God's truth revealed to us and written down through the ages, Old and New Testament. So I guess that's what I would encourage people to do, is to come to know the Word, both the written Word of the Bible and the Word incarnate that is Jesus Christ more deeply. And the path to do that is to repent of sin, mm-hmm. to clear the to clear the darkness out of our lives, and to seek holiness through God's Word. Well said. I'm just going to add one more thing that uh, I mentioned earlier on our show, the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful, and that is if you're not praying your rosary daily, I really want to encourage the daily rosary. Our Lady of Fatima said that this is the answer for world peace, and boy, we need peace in our world. And here's the thing about that rosary that you are going to pray. You can go right online and get meditations that are beautiful. So I want to just encourage you to pray that daily rosary. Bishop Strickland, can we get a a final blessing? We've got about a minute left in the show. Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for everyone listening, for all the families and members of the faith communities, for the people of this nation and throughout the world, that we may in this year 2021 grow in understanding Mm. the truth that god has revealed to us and we ask this blessing in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen and thank you bishop strickland for those who listening who want to hear the previous shows they're all podcasted on virginmostpowerfulradio.org you can listen to all of our shows that we have there terry and jesse jesus 911 the bar of history and many others May God richly bless you in this new year. And until next time, God love you and your family here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio.